0: Well, greetings this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My heart's been very blessed and edified being here. I enjoy teamwork, working together as a body. We accomplish way more as a group of people together than we do by ourselves. I think this same horse pulling thing was shared back home. And I can't quite remember, that's what happens as you get older, how much more two could pull together than doubling what one could pull. If one can pull a ton, I think two can pull about three tons. Something like that. Uh, It's amazing. And running the race is something that beats in my bones and in my heart. Literally and also spiritually. Um, You know, hurting lungs can actually feel good. I don't know how many of us know what that feels like but it can actually feel good and legs that want to literally buckle can feel good and it sounds very carnal but I'd like to just share there's something about stamina and determination and purpose to go that we need as Christians. And someone that is out there pressing through and training and saying don't quit, don't Quit, get up, go on, get up, go on, don't quit. I mean, there's literally two-tenths mile to go, and my legs don't want to anymore. The answer is, go on. We need that. It doesn't sound spiritual, but I've concluded the way we work, the way we live, is how we read our Bibles. We're pussyfoot Americans. I did planning to say this this morning, but we need to learn some grit. We need to learn some determination. On the way out here, we were talking, they were sharing a story that they just listened to at home, the ladies while I was gone, about a trip to the Antarctic. And this boat got stuck and it ended up sinking. And the men ended up on an ice flat. They had a lot of stuff. They got off of the boat before it sunk. They had a lot of food. They saved three lifeboats. And six of the men got out on one of those lifeboats. And I didn't ask, was there a motor? Was there a rowboat? What was it? But they launched across the sea in Antarctica to go get help because they didn't have communication. It was the only route of survival. They spent weeks being wet and cold on that cold sea. And we were just talking about, how did they survive? We just succumbed to hypothermia in the first day. And they had to get to a certain island. They had to get to the south side of that island, and their first the point of connecting with that island was on the north side, and there were major cliffs and mountains of ice and snow that were just about insurpassable. But three of them trekked it. Miraculously, they made it. And we say, how? Physically, we wouldn't make it. They had stamps. We need spiritual stamina. We need spiritual stamina. Often fear. It's one of the downfalls in America. Life is so soft. We're soft Christians. We barely have stamina. I've been running the race for years. I've fallen more than three times. And I've gotten used to knowing where the trip lines are. And now I start getting nervous and scared when I see a trip line coming. Sometimes I get all top tight about it. I don't want to face that trip line up there. But we need to get up and go on. In Proverbs, he talks about the man that fell seven times and got up again. We won't get there if we don't get up and go on. Well, I had too much to say this morning without using time on something else. So this is one of those times where we'll share what there's time for. and We'll just see how the Lord leads. uh, Isn't it a blessing that there's so much that can be shared out of the word of God and out of life? but it just overflows and there's more than there's time. Try not to have someone falling out the window and getting hurt because we talked so long like Paul did. I don't think that's wrong. It's in the scriptures, but try not to do that. Uh, Could we rise for a word of prayer here? Mm. Dear God, we do come to you this morning. Thank you for feeding us today. Thank you for just practical, clear instruction. Dear God, we pray that you would help us as we work together, as we race together and press toward the mark. Help us, Lord, to set that mark and press toward it. Give us inner strength and grace. Lord, help us to learn how to pace ourselves, have discipline and to keep doing it, to keep pressing on. Give us strength of heart, courage in our hearts. Give us vision. Anoint our eyes with eye salve, and give us vision, Lord. Give us spiritual discernment. Bless and guide our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help me this morning to know what to share here and how to share it. I plead with you, dear God, that your people would be edified more yet here today, that you'd feed us from your word. Bless the brothers and sisters at home. Pray for your grace to be upon them and dwell in their midst, dear God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I would like to share a message that I shared at Bible School in Ephrata, And it's a little hard sometimes to go re-scramble something like this, and there's some places that end up sounding like it's to young people, and that's because it was, and I may tweak things as I go, but I just felt it'd be good to just share that. I shared this at Bible school in Ephrata last fall, and it was in a series that was focused on picking up the torch. And the burden of the series was we as charity churches started with a zeal and a fire for God. There were revival meetings, there were souls getting born again, there was much going on and much happening. There's a few things I look back on that I say, you know, we could have done better or different. And yet, there was much zealousness for the Lord. Much seeking after God. There was a deep burden to help the lost. To help people get out of bondage, out of sin. Bring people to the light. There was a deep dedication to the Word of God. There was discipline In Christian lives. And the burden. Will the next generation. Pick up the torch. I can't go into that message. What picking up the torch means. But there's a desire. To pass it on. A torch. Needs to be picked up. It needs to be carried and it needs to be passed on. The next person picks it up and carries it and passes it on. And the fire is maintained. The original fire is maintained. The burden was, is the next generation going to pick up the torch? On the second day, We looked at heart Christianity and simply went down through what a conversion looked like back in that day. What it should look like according to the Word of God. Where we see ourselves as sinners. We repent of our sins. We confess our sins. We confess the Lord Jesus Christ openly. The Holy Ghost comes in our hearts and bears witness and there's a fire burning in that heart. And somebody is transformed and changed and they're never the same again. Also, the third day had a message on walking in the light. Walking in the light. What it means... To walk in the light. We say we're born again Christians. We say we've come to the light. Well, what does that mean? That means all the hidden stuff comes out of the closets. It all comes out in the open. I don't have anything to hide. I'm not a don't touch me person. I'm open. I'm in the light. And what I'd like to talk about today is the fourth day. Was on building biblical convictions. Building biblical convictions. And if we're going to pick up the torch, if we're going to pass it on, we need to build biblical convictions. When we build biblical convictions, they become guidelines in my life that maintain and direct my direction and the way I live, no matter what comes my way. No matter if I fall and stumble, I'm going to get up again, no matter what somebody else does. When those hard times come, and people look at us, and even ask, why aren't you quitting? The answer needs to be, well, I believe the Bible, and I fear God. I believe the Bible and I fear God. There is no quitting. There is now, yeah, yeah, but days. That's why I am the way I am. No, we are responsible before God for the life that we live and it's essential that we build biblical convictions in our lives. <clears throat> Like to write a couple things. Guess I'm going to have to erase this. Maybe I'll just start with the title. building biblical convictions. And I'd like to also write here, I think we all believe in the Holy Bible. In it, we read about the Holy Spirit. And it's essential that we believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us to a holy life. And a holy life comes from obeying the holy Bible. That is very basic and yet, it's very foundational, very true, and in our day it's often not followed. It is often not followed. Because we don't build biblical convictions to guide our hearts and to guide our lives. If we will pass on the torch of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the faith that we read about in the Bible, we need to follow that a holy Bible teaches us about a holy spirit and the holy spirit of the Bible will lead us to a holy life. In order to live that holy life, we need to obey the holy Bible. Building biblical convictions will require that we spend time in the Bible. We need to spend time in the Bible. You know, times, and I face this myself, we spend time reading other things. Well, how much time am I spending in the Bible? How much time? do I spend in the bible how much do i take the bible and make that a part of my decision making that are in my everyday life a conviction i looked up the word conviction for definitions and i did this online one of them was on vocabulary.com and it gave two different definitions with the first one being a firmly held belief or opinion. And the second second one being, a conviction is something certain. A judgment of guilty in court and a strong belief are both convictions. So when someone is convicted of wrongdoing in court, it is solidly settled they are guilty whether they admit or not. They're convicted. Well, Conviction, as we're wanting to talk about it this morning, is the other definition where it's a strong belief that I develop this is right and I'm settled on this. I also looked it up on Webster's online and it gave both. Number one being the act of convicting, the state of being convicted. Number two has A and B, a strong belief or opinion. And he put in parentheses, has deep conviction. Building biblical convictions. B, the state of mind of a person who is sure. The state of mind of a person who is sure that what he or she believes or says is true. True. We're sure it's true. And then they put in parentheses, spoken with conviction. Spoken with conviction. I'm speaking here this morning with conviction that the Bible is true and that it's essential that we live our lives according to the Bible. I'm speaking with conviction about that this morning. I was going to turn to Daniel. I think I'm just going to relate it. Daniel and his friends were an example of people that had conviction. The four young Hebrews were amongst those that were selected to be separated as young men and to be fed with the king's meat for, forget now, was it three years, something like that? And they looked at the meat and they looked at the wine and they said, according to the word of God, we should not be eating this. And it says in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The nerve of that young man. What? Here they get taken captive, taken to a new kingdom. His life is spared. And Now the king is selecting him as one of the ones, maybe, to honor. And the first thing he does is says no to something the king said to do. Why would he do that? Because he had purposed in his heart to walk before God in a holy and clear and clean way. God was first. God was first. He was not being a rebellious young man. You could view it that way. I've spared your life, I've given you a chance to have honor, and you won't listen. No, that was not the heart of Daniel or the other three young men. Their heart was, We will not defile ourselves before God. They purposed in their hearts. That's conviction. Later in chapter three, when Nebuchadnezzar had put up that big image out in the plain and he gathered all the governors together and they made all the music sounds and everybody is supposed to bow down and worship. Well, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did not bow. Bow they were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them is it true O Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego do you not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I've set up then he offers them another opportunity maybe you didn't understand you have another opportunity to bow and if you won't bow you're going to be thrown into the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. God had said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, none. And here they stand with the threat of the fiery furnace, And they are saying, Be it known, we will not serve your gods. We have a God that we've surrendered our life to and ourselves to. He can deliver us. But if He doesn't, we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And you know the rest of the story. But they're willing to put themselves on the line to where they don't know which way God is going here today. Is God going to deliver us, or are we going to be martyrs? Which way is it going? God can deliver us. We don't know whether we will. Bind us, throw us in. We will not worship another God. They're serving God with convictions. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. This is after Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. There was a huge uproar. And they slipped them out and sent them off to spare their lives. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which are of Greeks and of men, not a few. As we look at building biblical convictions, it's essential that we are Bereans that gladly receive the word with a readiness of mind and that we're searching the scriptures to see what does it say? What would God have me to do? How would God have me to live? Building biblical convictions. Today, many times, we do what he talks about in First Peter, where we rest the scriptures and try to turn them and make them say what I want them to say to make space for me. Or to say, you can't say that to me because this here says this way. Let's not rest the scriptures. Let's be like Bereans, where we search the scriptures to see what it has to say for me. Now, I have several different points here this morning, with the first one being, consider the end. And there I'd like to quote the verse again in Philippians 3.14, where he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Consider the end. He says, I press toward the mark. Let's make a mark. We're down here. And we've put a mark up here. I press toward that mark. So... There's a number of different things that we could call the mark. Here, he calls it the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which could be the Christian walk here. It can be the reward at the end of our life if we live faithfully for the Lord Jesus Christ. It can be whether we make it across that final What did they call it? He called it in Pilgrim's Progress, where we cross over from this life into eternity and we die. He puts it out as a battle, and it can be a traumatic event. But we cross over and we gain the prize. We finish the race. We complete the journey. Like Paul said, finish the course. Finish the course. I press toward the mark. So we need to consider the end and make a mark to press for. Then we can ask ourselves, what is my vision? What do I believe? Where do I want to end up? Many people, and the reason I'm asking these questions is many people Live life just where it leads them. And I'm here this morning speaking with conviction that if we live our lives that way, we're not going to end up where we thought we're going to end up when we started. We're not going to end up that way. We need to set a mark. Consider the end. Set a mark. What is my vision? What do I believe? Where do I want to end up? And then we need to start where we are and start living life in a way that goes to that mark. In order to do that, we need to build biblical convictions or we will wishy-washy and go however the wind blows, and maybe even be carried about by every wind of doctrine like Ephesians talks about. We need to set a mark. We need to set our convictions according to the word of God and then live a life that will go to that mark. And for just a very practical Example, a young family, a young couple getting married and there's several here. I think it's important that we sit down and we talk about where we want to go in life. And there's a whole different arrangements of things we could talk about. I was just at a meeting back home where they had a meeting to specifically talk to young couples about finances. It was put on by Anabaptist Financial financial, and they were talking about the need of young couples sitting down and discussing their finances. Make a plan. Know what you're doing. Knowing where you're going to spend your money, how you're going to spend it. Be real about it. And they explained, if we don't, the money just disappears. We don't know where it went. It's just gone. And it's very true. It's very true. Well, if we bring that to where we want to go spiritually as a young couple, where do we want our family to end up? We need to have those discussions. How do we want to guide our children? We need to set a mark. Then we need to begin making decisions in life that will lead there. If we don't set a mark, we're just going. Now we made a journey the other day that seemed like a long journey. We got started late, we got in traffic, and the longer we went, the longer it was going to take, it seemed like. But we still got here. Because we had set a mark. And we even talked about this one just feels long. And we've done it how many times? And the more you do a trip like that, the more you feel <coughs> near you are, the shorter it begins feeling. But it didn't make a difference because we'd set our mark. And we did arrive. We did arrive. And sometimes life feels that way, like we're just in a grind. Okay, we're finally going again, and then it slows down. All of a sudden, we're just pretty close to stop. Then it stops. And there's no good explanation why. Too much trouble. And we plod on. You know, starting to ram and jam and do things... It's going to just take longer. That's how life is sometimes. We need to make a plan. We need to go forward. We need to make a mark that we can go to. Paul says, Be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them. Now he says to mark people which walk as ye have us for an example. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation, their life. He says, follow those that are coaching you, if you will, pastoring you, shepherding you, guiding you, and with it, consider their end. Consider where they're going. Don't just look at today and react to today. No. Consider where they're going. Consider their end. Consider their end. Psalm 37 verse 37 says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Again, he's talking about the end. He says, Mark the perfect man, behold the upright. Consider their end. Their end is peace. In verse 38 he says, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. And this is true. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. And we don't want to play with how that end turns out, do we? There is a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death, he says in Proverbs. We don't want to play with where we're ending up. We want to set a mark that is right according to the word of God. Consider that end and go there on purpose and with a purpose. Now as human beings we tend to follow others. We are influenced by others. Now, I don't know how many of us here would just readily raise our hand and admit that today but I'm not going to put you on the test. But honestly, all our hands are up. If we can just picture that, all our hands are up. We're influenced by others. That's why fads and fashions thrive so well. Do you have any idea how much money is made in the U.S. by companies hiring heroes Athlete heroes, Hollywood heroes, I, I can't say them all, I'm not good enough at that. They hire them to wear certain things, maybe it's a pair of shoes, maybe it's a pair of pants, maybe it's a certain dress, maybe it's a certain undress, uh, and they hire them to do these things, and by their stature, they begin something and this thing moves, and this fad comes in, and these companies just manufacture huge volumes of these items and make a lot of money. They make a lot of money because we as people are influenced by others. We are influenced by others. So, what I'm telling you here this morning is old hat. The world out there, the business world, they know all about it. They have this thing figured out to a T. And they play it all the time. Very well. Very well. If Nike doesn't go and contract with a Hollywood lady of some sort, they'll go get an athlete that wins and everybody hangs their tongues out over and then he's running around in Nikes. And then they'll put his name on a certain shoe and everybody wants to buy him. Literally. This is going on all the time. Then they pick another one and they do it with him too. And, and you look at all this new stuff coming around and you say, where's it coming from? Yeah. It's coming from the fashion world. And I'm not familiar enough with all the fashion stuff that goes on here and there in my life. I've seen a little bit of it on TVs when I was in place. And, and they literally have fashion shows where they show off certain things. And, and now uh, the president's wife wore so-and-so or one of his daughters or, or one of the royalties in England. Those influences are huge. and people flock and follow. That's why fads and fashions thrive so well. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. Now we go back to Daniel. Courage and conviction it took for them to say, but we've committed ourselves to follow God. In a Bible school, I just got very practical about a few things here. I talked about hairstyles, coverings, tube dresses, ruffles, loud colors, loud fabric patterns, tight shirts, slim fit shirts, tight pants, skinny pants, short seated pants, and what's next? If we go back further, it's big bulky things. I have seen bell-bottom pants twice in my life. And it's bizarre. One time we're wearing skinny slinkies that you're wondering how we're not having raw skin, literally, because it's so tight. And the next time we have these big floppy things that you can't get with you, it's like, If somebody made us, if mom and dad told us we had to do this, there'd be a revolt every time. But since it's some hero that we're set forth as a fad, everybody goes, oh. And these clothes companies know every time we get a new one going, everybody changes their whole wardrobe and look at all the money they make off of all the clothes that didn't get wore out that people need new ones now. I got to feed in. And on top of that, hopefully you're free of it, but in communities like ours, there is fads and fashions amongst the plain people. Literally. There will be certain styles of combing hair all of a sudden. Right now, lots of the girls are wearing Vests. Not just a bad thing, but all of a sudden, all the girls are wearing vests. What made that change? All of a sudden we'll have crooked comb paths, how we part our hair. Whether well, is there any sin in how we part our hair? You know, probably not, but here's the problem. If my heart and life is being directed by what others are doing like that, it's coming from the wrong source and I don't have my eye on the mark and I'm not considering the end and I'm going to go wherever life leads and it's not going to end up where I want to go. That's the problem. Forget all the proving of what's wrong with it, which is such a famous line. Where are we going? Why are we going there? Where's a heart? Heart Christianity matters. And the things, the Bible teaches us, the things that come out of our hearts, out of our lives, out of our mouth, they tell us about our heart. So if there's things coming about our hearts that are in question and not right, it tells us something about our hearts. I've gotten to where I'm very comfortable and persuaded on the heart is what matters. It does. That is what matters. It's just that we have to get honest with the fruit that's coming out. It tells us all about our heart. You know, back in the early days, I remember people coming to the charity churches from plain circles, and their coverings got bigger. Bigger their dresses got more modest. The men got simpler in how they dressed. Many of them took off the plain coat. Today we struggle with here and there, the lapel coat wants to be used and, and then more it goes with it. And it's like, uh, what is happening to us? Are we passing on the torch? Are we charting a course considering the end? That's the burden. He says, mark the perfect man and behold the upright. Remember those that rule over you and consider the end of their life, where they're going. I ask the young people, Would dad wear your shirt and pants? Would mom wear your veil and dress? If no, why are you wearing them? Or why not? If it doesn't sit with mom and dad's biblical convictions, why does it sit with a younger person's biblical convictions? Is God changing? Or who's changing? See, these are honest questions for me to look at. And when we go back to the Bible and we build biblical convictions with a heart like the Bereans that are searching and looking, does it say so? And receive it with a readiness of mind then we change. We change. We become like the three Hebrew children and like Daniel. We need to have a mark set where we're going, where we're planning to end up. And at Bible school, I told them that most of us need to behold our parents as people that we're following and mark as someone to follow after. There, it wasn't quite as clear a group as here. I think here I can say, young people, mark where your parents are going. And if there's something you don't understand, ask questions. Have a ready mind to be instructed from the word of God. Don't put up one of these things that says, Well, prove it to me. Be a Berean and have a ready mind. Set a mark and consider the end. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's from Psalms. Psalms 4, Proverbs 4, sorry, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a frovert mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Don't look at all that stuff that's going on around us. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established according to that mark. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. What good counsel? Run the race. Go in the way. (coughs) And I have a little bit about here about being offended by Christians being offended by Christians. And I just felt a burden there at Bible school to share about this. People leaving churches because we disagree and are hurt by what others said or by what others did. And what I've noticed is that our convictions seem to change. Our convictions seem to move. Our convictions seem to disappear as we go from one to the next. Back home, we have people that go from one church to the next. And after they've been through three or four, it's far removed from where they started. Sometimes we end up by ourselves because we can't find anyone that agrees with us. Then we need to ask the question, what do we believe about brotherhood? Or things like non-resistance and being able to have a humble heart that receives instruction and that can hear each other. Maybe I'm not the only one that reads the word of God and that God speaks to, you know? Maybe I'm one of a group and together we'll go way further than we do by ourselves. I've had times that I felt very settled on something and someone else shares something from another perspective and you go, wow, that really sheds a different light on that. You know, that's a blessing. That makes us whole as a body. If we leave our church for biblical reasons, we need to do so humbly and peacefully. I've seen this happen, where people have left humbly and peacefully. I'll just throw this out. Brother Dan just preached a message at home. He's been talking about for six or eight months. We as a congregation knew sometime he's going to preach this message on how to leave your church. If you go on our website at Shining Light, it should be there. You can listen to it. How to leave your church. And you know, and it sounds like we're instructing people now when you're ready to leave, here's how you do it. But you know what happens when we talk about those kind of things? We begin searching our hearts about how we left the church we came from. It is very healthy. It's very healthy. We've had some people go back and make some things right. God has spoken to them about how they left their church even to the Amish bishop we have a fortune trooper man right now that's just committed himself to going back and making right I'm not sure what he's going to say and how he's going to say it I like to go with him almost defend him because tough situation but he's going to bow his heart That's right. That's right. And we're going to let Him go alone. We bring our things with us when we don't. Set a mark. Consider the end. Consider the end. It's important that we don't react. It's important that we don't go on in a bitterness and in a fuming as we leave. And another thing to consider here, as we set a mark, sometimes life seemed. I did this in a wiggle on purpose because life wiggles a little bit. It has hard things in it. I think that's reality. But sometimes, we do this. As we... time of leaving a church kin is a very vulnerable time for that to happen but we make a decision that starts wying off in a little different direction and at first if i would have more board i would show them side by side a little bit longer because at first often there's not so much difference there's not so much difference there was a time that I made a little bit different decision than my family did. We left the Amish together. We had gone to what was called Holmes County Christian Fellowship, which uh, my wife's family was there and a few other families, a small group there in Holmes County. And then there was a disagreement (coughs) about divorce and remarriage. (coughs) And my dad pulled away And I was 21, I think. Confused, trying to figure out what's right. And I had a weekend alone. And just felt God prompting me to go to church here. And I did. I didn't realize how much that's going to divide me with the rest of my family. And I'm here today because I made that decision. They've now all gone the charismatic way. At first my parents went to a charismatic church that they were, you know, very strong on the gifts of the spirit and speaking in tongues, interpreting, healing, prophesying and, and to the point when you know, someone's getting baptized, you almost feel current in the water, and you know it's a really spiritual situation. But they wore coverings. And my family went there. And In one sense, I'm not sure what to say about it all, and yet God at me directed me different as a young man. Well, the day came when somehow the Holy Spirit wasn't leading anymore to wear coverings. The day came when the Holy Spirit led that you don't always have to wear dresses for the ladies. The day came when it was comical for the church to have camping together and the preacher is in shorts. How do these things happen? But I'm here to say we need to build biblical convictions. Make a mark. This is where I'm going. For me, this is very personal. Very personal. And I will say this too. And you may never face this. But for me, there was a price to pay. There was a price to pay. been much easier to just go along with it. But what do I believe the Word of God says? Am I willing to go to the furnace for what the Bible teaches? Because I've set a mark, and I'm going there. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. Listen to this. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I'm running out of time. Point number two is being convinced that the Bible is true. I'd like to go through this very quickly. Proverbs 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Luke twenty one thirty-three, heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall not pass away. Luke Psalm one nineteen, verse one sixty, thy word was is from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Let's be Bereans that have a ready mind, that are persuaded on the word of God. First Peter one twenty-four and twenty-five. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which the gospel is preached unto you. Titus 1, 2. God cannot deny himself. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began... First, second Timothy two thirteen, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. God is true. The word of God is true. Let's believe it. Let's be like Bereans that with a ready mind search the scriptures to see what it has to say for me. Point number three is obeying the Bible out of love. Obeying the Bible out of love. Psalm 119 verse 16 again says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 140, thy word is pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. One of the marks of a new babe in Christ is they love the word of God. All of a sudden, that sincere milk of the Word is the most precious thing. They love it. They're drawn to it. It's like a magnet, loving the Word of God. Let's not lose that love. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Oh, here's a good question. Wherewithal shall a young man... Cleanses ways. Yes, by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. According to the word of God is how we cleanse our way. We need to obey the Bible out of love. Out of love. If we're going to build biblical convictions in our lives, we need to be like the Bereans, where with a ready mind, they embraced it and said, I love the word of God. I want to know what he has for me. <clears throat> First Peter 1 verse 22, seeing ye have purif- purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And then I'd like to go to John, John 14. This is about loving and keeping His commandments. A very important part. John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. This is the words of the Lord Jesus. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself unto him. Judas says unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? In verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, He will keep my words and my Father will love him and I will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine but the Father which has sent me. So in this scripture he's saying it both ways. He that loveth me keepeth my words. He that does not love me does not keep my words. So when we claim to love the Lord with all of our hearts and we disobey the word of God, we're not loving the Lord. We're not loving the Lord. How is it that keeping what the Lord says in the New Testament becomes a law to us that we view as the Old Testament law. We've heard that. Wearing jewelry, for example. Well, what about 1 Peter 3 here? What does this say? And the comeback is, so since when is the New Testament a law? And I say, since where did the heart go that wants to please God? Where's the love for God? And I'm speaking out of own life experience where the mark wasn't set to build biblical convictions. These things happen to people that we know. And they're dear to us. Friends, we're not exempt. We are not exempt. First John 5 starting in verse 1 whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that's begotten of him by this we know that we love the children of God here's how we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments is this hard? I don't think I need a dictionary. This is really simple. And yet today, in Christianity, we seem to not understand. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then he says his commandments are not grievous. And I think, coming back to the heart again, when the commandments of God become grievous to us, it's a sign of a heart condition. It doesn't disannul what God said. It's a sign of what's really going on in our hearts here if the commandments of God are grievous. Luke six forty six, Hearers and not doers. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man which build a an house and dig deep. He laid a foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose and the steam beat vehemently upon that house, it could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is what I'm talking about, setting a mark where I'm going, building on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and doing that according to the Word of God, because we love Him, versus just building on the earth and not laying that foundation, not setting a mark, not building biblical convictions. And then in time, the house falls. And I think you've probably all observed this as well. Luke 11, verse 27, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Being a student of the word, I'm going to try to make this one short as well. But vitally important, being Bereans, being a student of the word. Psalm 119, 105 says, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." Being a student of the word where the Bereans they had open hearts they received the word with a ready mind and then they were searching Well, what does it say where does it say this what does it say over here search different things and yeah look at this well, I never realized I see okay and the heart rises to embrace the word of God being a student of the word Paul admonished Timothy to be a student of the Word in 2 Timothy 3.14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. He says, Timothy, continue, continue forward. Go on in the things which you have learned. And has been assured of knowing that thou, who thou hast learned them from. Well, who did he learn from? He says that from a child thou has known the Holy Scriptures. And this is one of the challenges that we face in our circles today. Our children have known the Scriptures from a child. And it's important that the next generation picks up the torch and takes it on with a passion with commitment, with biblical conviction, with deep heart salvation that changes our lives and puts a fire in our souls. Timothy, you've learned this from a child. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for reproof, it's profitable for correction, and it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Holiness, godliness, it produces a holy life righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the man of God, that the man of God may be perfect. That the man of God may be perfect, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He can't get done. He just keeps building. Do you see his passion and his motivation for where we want to go and where we need to go and where he's guiding us? And he is like the coach that is saying, get up, go again, don't stop now, don't turn back, don't quit, keep on going. Yes, you can. It's essential that you do. Consider the end. We need to build biblical convictions. (coughs) 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 let no man despise thy youth but rather be thou an example be an example unto the believers be an example unto the believers in word be an example unto the believers in conversation that's your behavior the manner of life that you live be an example unto the believers in charity in spirit in faith in purity and that's purity of heart that comes out in our life because it's in our heart Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Be a student of the Word. Be a student of the Word. Go dig in it, because I want to know what He has for me. Be like a Berean. And then this verse we know, 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Not resting the scriptures to our own destruction. Like he says in Peter. But rightly dividing it. Rightly dividing it. Psalm 119, 133 says, Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Amen water my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. We're going to win if no iniquity has dominion over us. (coughs) We can unload those burdens and run the race that is set before us. (coughs) Excuse me. And yet in conclusion, James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receiving with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving deceiving your own selves. I'd like to read that again. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. And he beholdeth himself, he looks in the mirror, he sees himself, then he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I should have come up here for this, all distraught, looking all over the place. Um, And I probably have a hair or two out of place because I didn't spend a lot of time in front of the mirror this morning. But generally, we come here looking fairly decent, don't we? And if there is a problem, we like to straighten it up. In fact, I did straighten something up this morning. I was upstairs for just a little bit, and I didn't have much time, but our little granddaughter was just done eating breakfast, and I stopped and said good morning, and gave her a nice hug, and went back downstairs and she put a perfect egg print right here on my shirt with her mouth. And I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, ha. I got concerned about that. My wife helped me sort of scrub it a little bit so it doesn't look bad here this morning. What if I had just walked away and forgot? There'd be some of you sitting here this morning wondering, what's on his shirt? Right? Right? Why don't I do that? Because I care about how I look. Well, spiritually, we need to do the same thing. Look into the Word of God and remember what I saw. But there is this human tendency. We have meetings. We look into the Word of God. We have a special time with God and we see something. Maybe we even respond. We confess our need. We make a commitment. And then in time, we forget what I saw. It's important that we keep running the race. It's important that we keep running the race and not forget what we saw. See, it's not the hearers of the word that are blessed. It's those that do and keep. And when we forget and don't do it, it says here we deceive ourselves For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, continuing therein, set the mark. Build conviction, set the mark and press toward it. Consider the end. Be a Berean. That with a ready mind seeks after the word of God and the will of God, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, he says, "This man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be blessed in his deed." John 17:17 17, 17 says, "Sanctify them through thy truth." Thy word is truth. So, take the word of God and build biblical convictions. Set a mark. Consider that end. Where do I want to end up? Where do I want to go? Set that mark. And now, press toward it with the guidance of the word of God, with a heart that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And the conclusion is, this man shall be blessed in his deed.